USA's Additional Coverage, podcast number eight. I'm your host, Tim Hicks, and joining me for today's additional coverage is Sinead Condon. Hello, nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Tim. You bet. Sinead is the Chief People Officer at Guidewire, where she is an advisor and a key decision maker in company-wide strategy and operations, paying close attention to how decisions impact culture, diversity, performance, recruiting, onboarding, developing, incentivizing, and retaining top talent. Everything soup to nuts, it sounds like. Well, today we're going to talk about being empowered, how to get it and keep it. But before we get started, I would like to recognize the support that's received from IASA's member companies and volunteers. IASA is the voice of the insurance industry. If your company is not already a member, I encourage you to consider all the benefits that come with membership in IASA. Find out more at IASA.org. Hey, Sinead, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to speak with me today. When I think about this topic, empowerment, especially when it comes to the workplace, I think about two basic components to achieve it, responsibility and authority. But tell me how you define it and, and its importance. Yeah, you know, it's really, really interesting. I come from a world um, over the last kind of 15, 20 years where I've become much more attuned to agility in the organization. And so when we talk about agility, we really talk about kind of building an environment where you give power to people to with the assumption or expectation that you're hiring them and they have tools in their toolkit Right. And so they're coming into work every day to do meaningful work with the tools that they have in their back pocket. And and so in kind of the agile world, we always talk about self-organizing, self-directing behavior, uh, which is obviously meaningful and purposeful. The kinds of organizations we certainly want to be able to create. And with that comes you know, we then talk about, so what does it mean to be empowered? And it can be a little bit of a suitcase word because it means different things to different people. And so a couple of years ago, Tim, I read a book called uh, Self-Directed Work Teams, I think was the title of it, by a guy called Kimball Fisher. And in it, and I think it was like the first, second or third chapter, he said that empowerment is kind of broken up into four areas. And he used an acronym called ARIA. And it was authority, resources, information, and accountability. And basically kind of the premise of that, and it really kind of had an aha moment for me because in so many scenarios over my career, I've seen people that have been fully accountable, like been told, you own this. And yet, as they try to navigate in this role that they're accountable for, they do not have the right information in the context of the role to make decisions. They do not have resources. Um, and I don't mean necessarily people that report into them, but any resources at all, whether it be budget, whether it be, you know, access to printers, um, whatever is what that, I was say, yeah. What, yeah, whatever that is, um, they may not have access to that. And they don't have authority to make decisions. So it's one thing to be held accountable. But it's a whole other ballgame to be given the tools necessary and the infrastructure to be able to make decisions, given that you own something. Right. And, and that's kind of what empowerment means to me, because I do tend to call empowerment a bit of a dirty word because people throw it around and don't really unpack it in the context of what the decision making power is all about. And how they get to that. Yeah. So and I know everybody is just 
getting tired of uh, talking about the hybrid workplace or return to work, but how can we fit empowerment into our current and future hybrid workspaces? It, the change is here. The paradigm shift is on us. That this is here to stay. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because if we if we think about right, so if we break down empowerment and we say empowerment then means accountability, resources, information, and authority. And and in Kimball Fisher's reference to it, he says you must have all four in order to be truly really empowered. So you fast forward that to being in a hybrid world. Now, my sense of hybrid, right? I think a lot of folks are beginning to talk about hybrid in a very binary way. You're either in work in a brick and mortar building or you're remote. In reality, that's not what hybrid is. Hybrid is truly intentional team design, given whatever someone's backdrop is, right? The intention to say, I will do my work and thrive in my work, given the backdrop that I've deemed as the most thriving way for me to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a kind of a premise in that, that for me to do my best work in the backdrop that suits me to do my best work, then how do I unpack that and say, do I then, is there a kind of a recalibration opportunity or moment for me to say, well, will my accountability shift now that I'm working in this other way of working, or if I'm kind of changing the way I used to work. So let's say I used to be in the office four or five days a week, and now my office is no longer there and I'm working remote all the time. How I navigate, how I make decisions, how I work with my team, given that I used to do it this other way, is that now changing? And so for me, what I kind of encourage people to do is say, okay, think about what empowerment looked like to you in the past. Now think of it with this overlay in the way in which you choose to work in the future. What's shifting? What level of accountability is shifting? Will you need more or less of the same amount of resources that you used to have in the past? If you were walking the halls of an office, you may have had loads of resources available to you purely because you were there. Now you're sitting at home, you're setting up a new environment. Do you have the same level of resources? Or now do you have to say to yourself, well, gosh, I used to go over here to John because John would approve my PO. I'm not near John anymore. And now I need to be able to work with John in a different way. Right. And so I think there's this kind of intentionality around truly thinking through what empowerment needs to be recalibrated to given this hybrid situation. You touched on something that I don't want to get too far away from, and that's intentional team design. Yeah. When we talk about putting together our teams now, especially if we're having to rework or redesign our teams? How can we intentionally design our teams to establish that sense of empowerment? Yeah, and, and I think it's great. I mean, look, so much of this, I think, is about talking. It's about listening and talking, and it's about taking a, the time to actually facilitate the conversation. And I mean, I'd give you an example. If we talk about hybrid in terms of synchronous and asynchronous work, right? So what does it mean to have either one or the other? In a synchronous situation like we are doing right now, here we are, the two of us are together, we're live, we're talking, we're going back and forth. If you and I said, hey, you know what, I'll follow up with you later because I want to, you know, touch base on something uh, later, but I'll do it with you offline. It doesn't mean that we need to get back on the phone. We may decide to do it on email. We may decide to share a document that will be asynchronous for us. Right. right. And so kind of the intentionality that I would kind of think about is the first question is probably 
what does me working well with my team or me working well in general where I'm really thriving, what does success look like when I'm doing that? Because the first thing you have to kind of think about is what does that look like for me, right? So it's not abstract. And so if you have a sense of that as your baseline, then you can begin to say, you know, in this new situation, would I do things differently maybe synchronously or asynchronously, right? Before in the office, I would do a lot of more synchronous work. Now that I'm remote and maybe I'm in a different time zone to everybody else, I would want to be more intentional about where I'm synchronous and where I'm asynchronous. Because you don't, in, in reality, when you're making decisions, working out kind of design of a new project, you may not need to be live on the phone with somebody or, you know, on Zoom. And so I always say, be more intentional about when you want to be live with somebody and when you actually want to do things offline. It seems like with the shift in the workplace, I've, I think that's a really outstanding label, asynchronous, because for a while there, you know, there was a lot of virtual meetings and people have gotten virtual fatigue. And so I feel like we are in the process of making a shift to more asynchronous work where, you know, I, I can get my stuff done and I can send it to you. And then when you have time and availability to look at it and address it, you do that and then you get back to me. One of the things that I would probably say around whether you're working in either mode, structure is important, right? And th look, the reality of it is, and, and if I go back to kind of what is agile, in, in, in reality, being agile is about primarily focusing on driving as much value as possible. Right. And, and you'll notice that I pepper everything I talk about with Agile as a kind of a backdrop or a context, because the principles of Agile work in any situation. Because if the reality is Agile, yes, it's about speed, but you can get fast and be nimble and accelerate what you're doing. But if what you're doing is rubbish, if it's not adding value, then it doesn't matter how fast you are. Right. right? So in reality, whether it's asynchronous or synchronous, there is an opportunity for you to put structure around what am I using the time for? Am I getting the most value out of it? And one of the ways that I do that with teams, and, and this actually comes from coaching, it's a, I believe it may be the coactive coaching model where they talk about the arc of the conversation. You can look it up on Google. And I've kind of modified the, the philosophy around the arc of the conversation to the arc of synchronized work the arc of asynchronized work. And the whole point of it is there is a start and a finish, and then there's a midpoint. And so whether you're working with somebody, in our case, here we are, we're talking to each other. We started our introduction. We're clear on our direction and what we want to accomplish from this moment. And then we will start to kind of like the popcorn will slow in the microwave and That's then we'll right. kind of come to the finish Right. What we want to be able to see, especially now that we're working in hybrid, is that when we're coming kind of close to the end, that you were intentional kind of five, 10 minutes before the end, that there is structure around a, did we get what we needed from the meeting? Did we get what we needed from each other? Did we create enough value for each other? And so as we continue the value kind of proposition, as we keep moving forward, what's next? And in reality, we should be doing that all the time. Yes. And I see responsiveness as the yin to the yang with the idea of agility. Get the information, you know, do the work, do it you know, quickly, but use those resources, use the people that you're working with to get response back. How is this working? 
is this the direction we need? So you're constantly tweaking that direction. It's kind of like, you know, having to draw the map as you're traveling. Yeah. Um, there's certain you know, amounts you can do ahead of time. And there's certain amounts you can't. A hundred percent. And and so much of that is kind of the, the stuff that you can do ahead of time, which is the preparation element of it. And it, it does blow my mind, Tim. I mean, there are so many people I've, I've spoken to throughout my career where, you know, certainly if I'm kind of coaching or, or facilitating a conversation where I'll say, OK, so we're all here. Do you all know why you're here? Right? Do you know why you're, you're involved mm-hmm. in the process? Mm-hmm. And so many people kind of either nod their heads and go, I'm actually not sure I was just put on the DL and, uh, you know, I, I'm just showing up. And kind of my question is, is your value, the value that you want to create for yourself important enough to you to ask, why am I here? You know, do you know what problem you're here to try and solve? Uh, well, actually, I'm not sure. And it's not rocket science. You know, we really need to kind of take time to kind of pause and just Take a moment to say, okay, we're going to be spending some time together. Are we clear on the problem we're trying to solve together? Do we know what we need to accomplish from the time we're together and the parts each of us will play as we participate and contribute in the outcome? That kind of brings us full circle back to the idea of empowerment. How can I empower you to do what you don't even know that you want to do? Are you supposed to? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and each of us, you know, kind of coming in, when you think about empowerment, there, there's another thing that kind of comes into mind for me, and that is what I call kind of facilitative leadership. To facilitate, I don't know if your listeners, many of them might know what the word facilitate, where it comes from. It's the Latin word, facile, to make mm-hmm. easy, right? And And so facilitative leadership is about helping in whatever situation you're in to facilitate, to make easy what we're all trying to do in that moment. And if there are people on the call and you're trying to empower those people, part of your job as a facilitator and a host is to make easy the space for people to be able to contribute and feel that they're empowered. That's one thing I love about volunteering with IASA. The the folks at IASA are great facilitators. They make it easy for us volunteers to step that. in and do the things that, that need to be done to help drive the organization forward, the success of each person in the industry that, that takes advantage of the information and the, the knowledge that they can get from IASA. That's all driven by the facilitation of the IASA uh-huh. folks. I love that. What a great example. Hey, Sinead, um, thank you again so much for sharing your talent in a few minutes of time with us. That's about all the time that we have for today's podcast. But Sinead, if listeners would like to follow up with you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. The easiest way is to just grab me on LinkedIn. I'm going to my LinkedIn profile and you can send me an email from there. I'm pretty active on, on LinkedIn, so I'll always see it. Oh, fantastic. And if you have any comments about the show or any show suggestions, you can always reach me at tim.hicks at FISglobal.com. So until next time, I've been your host, Tim Hicks, with today's guest, Sinead Condon. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Tune in next time when I will sit down with Amrita Subramanian, who is an executive education instructor at the University of Pennsylvania, to talk about connecting to a company's culture. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss the new episodes when they come out. Be sure you let your friends and colleagues know about the show, too. And one more thing, if you don't mind, please rate and review the show. It'll help others find us more easily. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.